Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. Good morning, Grace. God is good. All the time. God is good. I'll tell you what, I just uh, felt like we were experiencing a little taste of heaven. And we were. Because we were coming to alignment with the reality that He is overall. There's nothing, nothing that is not under the reign of our Lord and God. And as we sing those words and, and declare those truths, we are coming into alignment with, with heaven itself. And we get to experience a little taste of heaven here on earth. And he is desiring to reveal in this time even more of his reign among us. So as Leah was sharing, I just so appreciate um, her confession because you know what, so many times we can limit the presence and the power and the move of God on our performance. Our performance has nothing to do with the goodness of God, with his power, his presence, his love. And uh, we're so thankful, for, we are so blessed uh, for the way that God has blessed us through this worship team that leads us in music and we just celebrate Jesus in and through them. And the greatest beauty of this team is that they are just desiring to point to Jesus. And that's what our desire is this morning and always. So I have a date on the screen, April 28th. And I'm going to reference two things that happened on April 28th. Well, actually, it's three. April 28th, 1990, my wife and I were married. That's exciting. It's not our anniversary today, but you can still applaud. So April 28th, 1990, my wife and I were married here in the town of Shrewsbury. And it was also on that day that my grandmother passed away. Um, we were heading to Florida on our honeymoon, and we'd stayed in Hunt Valley, and it was before cell phones were in everybody's hand, but we got a phone call at the hotel before we left for the airport and found out that my grandmother, who was in Florida and was sick and could not come up for the wedding, that she had passed that day, on our wedding day. So um, when we went to Florida on our honeymoon, about the third day married, we ended up going to a viewing for my grandmother. Um, there had been a lot of prayers that had been lifted for my grandmother's healing. She had a lot of really serious illnesses, physical and otherwise. As I, was, as I was talking with my mom this week, you know, my mom had prayed for her since my mom was a little girl and tons of intercession. My grandfather was a prayer warrior, um, constantly praying for my grandmother's healing. She passed on our wedding day. So we fast forward eight years to April 28th, 1998, our eighth wedding anniversary, and Almost the entirety of the day, about eight hours, I was sitting by my father's bed as he was dying with cancer. And about dinner time that evening, he passed into eternity on that same date, April 28th. We had prayed for his healing. We knew that God could heal him. We had um, gone forward to the altar many times and people laid hands on him, anointed him with oil. And there was tons of intercession for my dad's healing. 
and he passed on that day. So, the focus for today's message is healing. So it's like, wow, Mark, that was really smart to start with those two stories. <laughs> right? The message for this, this day is healing. And we did not see healings that day, but there's more to the story. We're going to address that soon. So what was pretty wild is that uh, this morning, so I've had these two sayings in mind I really wanted to bring to us today. And God did some, he, underst- he led me to understanding why he ordered these sayings in the way that he did. So the first statement, these are two facts. The first statement is this, life is hard. Life is hard. You want to say that with me? Seriously. Life is hard. I don't think we'll, there are times in life that it goes pretty smooth. And there are times in life where we think, wow, this is, this is a good moment, this is a good season, but we can definitely say that life is hard. In fact, Jesus promised it was going to be hard. In this life, you will have trouble. John 16, And in addition to this fact, we have this fact, that God is good. That God is good. So what was interesting was I didn't plan on starting the service with saying God is good and you responding, but let's do that again. God is good. And all the time, that is so true. And as we say that, oh, it's beautiful. It resonates of victory. It resonates of, often it sounds like it resonates with ease. We say God is good all the time. That sounds wonderful. But are we realizing that God is good when life is hard? When we're saying it, do we realize that these two truths are not in contradiction? They coexist. That life is hard and God is good. And I can tell you that so many times I I can give testimony to myself and as I've walked with others through this life that we can look at life when life is hard and doubt that God is good. When life is hard, we can doubt that God is good. And when we embrace the reality that God is good, we can doubt that life is hard, that life should be hard. So these things can seem like they're in conflict, but the reality is that they, they blend together, they come together, and they are two truths that are a single truth. That life is hard and God is good. As we walk through this morning, I trust that these truths will resonate together in your life, and we're going to build on these two truths. So today we're going to be looking at healing, and we're going to be uh, jumping into this, these next two passages, actually starting with John 4, 46, and going through uh, John 5, 17. And we're going to be talking about healing. I was thinking about it, that this is possibly one of the most controversial topics in modern American Christianity, the subject of healing. And differences in beliefs of what Scripture says and, and what truth is concerning healing has literally caused divisions among Christians. It's caused many people to struggle in their faith. And I really believe that those differences in the way that as American Christians we have handled this topic has possibly led to people abandoning their faith. It's a serious thing. And our desire is that we would allow God to lead us today to where we may see tensions in Scripture around truth, that we would see how God wants to bring what appears to be contradiction into alignment 
that Pastor Jeff has said this so many times, it's literally been, been instrumental in helping me to understand how truths that seem in contradiction, actually, if they're truly truths, they exist in tension together. So our desires as we walk through this time is that we would embrace what God is desiring to teach us today on healing and how that impacts our reality of life. So there are two ways that we can come to wrong conclusions. Not the, these aren't the only two, but there are two that really strike me. The one is that we can take our present circumstances, the experiences of our, of our life, and use those experiences as the foundation for us establishing what we believe to be true. It's establishing truth or coming to a conclusion of truth based on circumstances. Okay? The second thing that we can do is take a portion of Scripture or a teaching of Scripture, maybe even that applies, that, that is stated multiple times, and let that portion of Scripture be what defines truth for us instead of taking the whole counsel of Scripture. So these are things that we need to be careful of because we, we can all fall into these traps that, that, you know, I thought this was truth, but then this happened, so I'm going to take that experience, and that's going to define what I believe to be truth for my life when it needs to be scripture that is the foundation. Or I can take a scripture and again, pull that out sometimes out of context or sometimes find it in a couple places and that becomes my, my base for truth without taking in the whole counsel of scripture. So we wanna be careful in that and honestly, this is something that we need to navigate our whole lives. These, these, uh, these principles that, that again, that we establish truth based on the word of God, on the full counsel of God and asking God to bring the revelation that he desires from his word. So I'm gonna just pray right now, covering over this time, and uh, just ask that you agree with me in prayer. God, help us. God, help us. Lord, we are fallible, but your word is perfect. So God, lead us in your word. God, reveal to us your truth. God, help us to embrace, Lord, the truth that you are desiring to reveal to each one of us. God, things that we may have, embra have, have embraced or even are embracing now that are contrary to truth, God, we pray that you would uh, free us from the, that wrong thinking, God, and lead us in your way. We're so thankful for your love. We're so thankful, God, for your presence. We thank you for your word. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's just so good to be together. And for those that are online, it is good to be together. It's so good that we're able to join together in the Word of God. I'm going to rewind a little bit to where, when Pastor Jeff launched us into this journey into John at the beginning of this year. And this foundational passage from John 20 gives the purpose of this gospel. John declared this. He said that Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that were not recorded in this book. But these are written, what is in this book, this Gospel of John, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The purpose that this was given was that, again, that, that we would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So within the Gospel of John, believe is, is mentioned 90, 98 times. Um, believe and faith are, are words that are verbs, the action words in John. So believe is 98 times, to know is 138 times. So this gospel, this journey that we're going through is that we would know him more, knowing Jesus. So as the outlines, Pastor Jeff had given us the outline, there's two major 
portions, there's four portions in the, the way that a lot of times commentators and, and scholars divide up the book. There are two major portions. The book of signs is from John 1 through 12 roughly, and the book of glory is from uh, 13 to 20. So we're in right now in this book of signs portion of the Gospel of John. And in this portion, there are seven miracles that Jesus performs, seven signs, miraculous signs that Jesus does. Within those seven, three of those are healings, physical healings. Two of those we're going to address today. So just to give you, again, the, that over, overview of, uh, of how Jesus is being presented in the Gospel of John and how that impacts us today. So we're looking at two of the miraculous signs today, two of the three that are healings. So one thing that we've seen in John is that Jesus often takes what is physical and he uses that as an illustration. So for instance, in, in John chapter three, when he was, he was talking to, to Nicodemus, he, he just took physical birth. He started with something physical and then he used that to bring understanding to something spiritual. Okay, that he took being born and then he explained, and here's being born again, went to spiritual. And then he uses what is revealed spiritual to show how that then transforms us in our physical living, in how we live out life. So this cycle is something that God uses constantly and he uses it in our lives. He gives us nature and he said, look at nature and it's gonna reveal my glory, something higher. And when I see him as higher, it's gonna impact how I walk through this natural life. So Jesus is doing this constantly. At the woman at the well, he took physical water and drink, and he said, I am living water. He brought it to spiritual. And then to transform that living water, transformed how she lived her spiritual life. He took food. He went spiritual and said, my food is to do the will of my Father who sent me. Totally transforms then how we live in the physical. So we want to understand that, that again, we can look at healing and think that it's just a physical thing. But God desires to use the physical to bring light to the spiritual so that the spiritual transforms our physical living. Okay, so we're going to see this continue. So we're looking at two passages today. We're going to take the healings separately and discuss them. We're going to start with John chapter 4, beginning with verse 46. The account says that so he, Jesus, came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. At Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. And this was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. So what we're going to do is look at this passage and we're going to uh, look at the word and, and see what truths are embedded within this story. So if we go back to the first portion, we'll see that the child's sickness was, was serious. His sickness was unto death, that he was literally on his deathbed. Um, now, 
medicine would have been certainly different in that day, uh, but there, there was clearly the sign that this child was about to die. That is not in question. The second thing is that the official believed that Jesus could heal. The official believed that Jesus could heal. The reality is that his home was about 20 miles from where Jesus was. And the official traveled that distance hoping to find this man who he heard was the healer. Now, I thought about this, and it's not like, you know, the man you know, opened up his cell phone and had a Jesus tracker on there and, um, you know, knew, hey, Jesus is, is in Cana. I think I can go there. You know, I mean, this had to be word of mouth. I don't, I, it, it amazed me to even see how this worked out, that this man 20 miles away would have heard that Jesus was in Cana and would have left without knowing for sure that he would even find the man. But he believed that Jesus could heal, and he went out. And he said, I've got to find this man. The other thing is, and this is extremely significant, is that we don't have details about exactly who this official was. Commentaries, uh, commentators have a lot of different ideas of, of what position he may have held. Um, all we know that here is that in this scripture, that it's, he was an official. Um, but he humbled himself before a carpenter. I want you to think about that is that he came to one who was, had just been a carpenter and is now newly a public teacher, and he humbled himself before Jesus and asked him for help. Now, Jesus made this statement. Okay, so pretty, pretty incredible. So he's saying, come heal my son, for he's sick. And look at what Jesus said then in verse, um, in verse 48. He made this statement. Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now, how would that feel? <laughs> you're asking Jesus for help. You're putting your faith in him. You traveled 20 miles. And Jesus makes a statement, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Well, it, when we go into the original text, it's actually a plural. Jesus isn't just talking to this man. He's making a broad statement to the whole crowd. He's saying, unless you all see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The, the statement is made to those that were around, but that did not deter this man from saying, I believe. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. So then Jesus said to him, the response, go, your son will live. Put yourself in, the, in his sandals. Would you have just left? You realize there was another significant part of humbling here because there was an official who had authority who came with a request, specific request, come and heal my son. Jesus said, go, your son is healed. He released how he thought Jesus should act because Jesus declared, your son will live. It's incredible faith. Incredible faith. So he acted on belief of Jesus' word and he headed home. And before he was even home, he got the news. <laughs> your son is healed. What time? Well, it was the same time that Jesus said. Absolutely amazing. And what happened? It produced belief. Both he and his household believed. These signs, these are recorded that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The miracle accomplished God's desire that they would believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So we move on to the next healing. This is John chapter 5, the first 17 verses. We're going to go down through and we're going to do the same thing. We're going to read through the passage and then we're going to look and see what are the truths that are revealed in this account. John chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. 
After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there was in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed. He took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is a Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered, answered them, and he said this, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said this to you? Take up your bed and walk. Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. So some things that we can draw from this passage. Go back to the first portion. This honestly um, was a little challenging to me because one of the things as I looked at this passage was that in verse three, when Jesus came to this pool, there lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. But Jesus came to one. There was a multitude, a multitude that had physical ailments and Jesus came to one. It's a little hard for me to understand. We can read in other accounts where Jesus healed all. We can re- read where, uh, again, there were multitudes that were healed. Here there was a multitude of sick and Jesus came to one. And there's something important here that I feel that we need to constantly hold on to. And this is the fact from Isaiah 55 that our ways are not his ways, our thoughts are not his thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways than our ways, and his thoughts than our thoughts. And there are things that God does and things that God does not do that we do not understand. But he is God. He reigns above it all. I don't understand this. There's mystery to it. But yet, we need to trust God. We need to believe that God does all things well. Jesus asked an odd question to me. I mean, this seems odd. The man has been an invalid, and Jesus says, do you want to be healed? Now, it's interesting, too, the man's response. In fact, we'll move to that. The man's response was, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and I'm going, and, and, 
And while I'm going, another steps down before me. So if we back up to this first section again, you may notice that there's a, there's a verse. It's actually more than one verse missing in this translation. Verse 4 is missing. It's actually the end of 3 as well. And the reason for that is that many of, of what are considered to be the strongest manuscripts don't have the end of verse 3 and verse 4 in. But what happens, it's not the question. Uh, they, 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 many think that they were put in to give clarification to verse 7. So let me just uh, read to you what... Uh, what is in some other translations. It says that um, concerning the pool, they waited for the moving of the waters. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. For the first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. So when we look at those, the manuscripts that have that, it gives explanation to verse 7 when, again, the, the man is saying, you know, do I want to be healed? Well, that's not the issue. The issue is I can't get in in time. When the waters stirred, and we've seen healings, evidently, when the first person after the water stirred. We don't understand how that works, okay? But this was a belief that the man thought, this is the way I can be healed, and I can't get that way. I can't do that. It's impossible for me. So this is my defined way. This is the only way that I think I can be healed. And since I can't, I can't do that, I, I'm not going to be healed. So what did Jesus do? What did he do? Verse 8, he said, get up, take up your bed, and walk. He's saying, you see this way, I am the way. And he simply made this statement. He simply made this statement. Jesus said, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And the man listened. He picked up his bed, and he walked. He listened to Jesus about this, and, and this, again, we're not going to focus on this, but it became a problem. His healing became a problem. His obedience to Jesus became a problem. Because he picked up his bed and that day was the Sabbath. Now the thing was, it's not, you know, it's, it's one of the Ten Commandments is that we are to keep the Sabbath. The issue, though, is that carrying the mat on the Sabbath was not God's law. It was man's application of God's law. Okay, it was what man had established. God said this, to remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, set it apart to God. And then man created all these lists of that, this is what it looks like. And carrying your mat is a no-no. Okay. So what happened was, is that this man is healed and the religious leaders allow one of their laws to look right past the healing. The issue isn't whether or not you're healed. The issue is that you're carrying your mat. Now let's be careful. I can very quickly look with judgment on these men. And yet have I embraced ideas that may even be founded in what is truth in the word, but have I embraced ideals that build a box for God in my life? The man was healed. And then what Jesus does, he brings revelation of himself, which is absolutely incredible. The man was asked, well, who healed you? Well, I don't know. But Jesus appears again to the man and he has conversation with him and he brings revelation of who he is. And, and Jesus' response is the, that last verse, verse 17, my father is working until now and I am working. What Jesus says, what he does is what he hears and what he sees the father doing. That was true 2,000 years ago and it is today. Jesus is working according to what the father is saying, according to what the father is doing. Jesus re reveals, when we look at his life, he reveals the Father. He reveals the Father's words. He reveals the Father's actions. 
He reveals, his entire life reveals the Father. And he is revealing that God is healer. Jesus is revealing that God is healer. Yes, life is hard. Yes, God is good. And yes, God is healer. If you go back to Exodus chapter 15, you'll see where this name of God is presented. The children of Israel had just been delivered from Egypt, miraculous deliverance from bondage, from slavery. Travel three days and there's no water. They come to this place of water, but they go to drink it and it's bitter. And they name it place Mara, which means bitter. Moses cries out to God and God says, here's what I want you to do. Take a log, you throw it in the water. And when he does, that, that water is made made clean it's made pure the impurities the the contaminations are taken away and that is where this is declared that God is healer that God is healer he takes the imperfections he takes the impurity and he cleanses it and honestly I think there's some connection there Moses is throwing a piece of wood in there I think that could be a foreshadowing of the cross it's in the cross of Christ that we have healing Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. The prophet declares this, Surely he took up our pain, he bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. This prophet is speaking of Jesus. But he, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. This is the work of Jesus on the cross that in that work is forgiveness for our sins and healing for our bodies. That healing is part of the atonement. It's included. Forgiveness for sins and healing for our bodies. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For those who are in Christ, healing is guaranteed. How does truth bring light to our experience? April 28th. It was on our wedding day that my grandmother was healed. She was a follower of Christ. We did not see that healing, but she was healed as part of the atonement. When we are saved, we are born again. We are saved and we are being saved and we will be saved. That salvation becomes complete when we are in God's presence. April 28th was a day of healing on our wedding day for my grandmother. Whole completely. Never to struggle again. My dad's healing was complete on April 28th, 1998. I have no doubt. I have no doubt that that cancer is completely gone. He has never suffered a moment He is healed forever. If we had seen his healing, it would have been but for a time. He would have either gotten sick or he would have died. That healing would have been temporal, but he is healed forever. Is that a cop-out? My goodness, no. It's a miracle beyond what we could have hoped for. Some of the things that I've experienced is that the way God moved on April 28th, those two years had deep impact on my life. My grandmother passed. My wife and I had the opportunity of sitting with my grandfather. 
God used my grandmother's healing, taking her into glory, receiving her into glory, I'm sorry. Sickness took her, Jesus received her. My grandfather, we were sitting at his cottage in Florida, the front porch, and he said, you know, you line up a thousand women, I would have picked your grandmother all over again. They had a rough life. It was hard. But God used my grandmother's healing to help me understand marriage in a way that was so foundational as we began our marriage. My father died on April 28, 1998. I've described to some people that it felt like a piece of me was in heaven. I don't know how to explain that. It just, if I had a connection to heaven in a different way. And I was um, working youth ministry at the time, and I can tell you that, man, I grew in my spiritual walk so much after my father's death. That God used my father's eternal healing and him being absent from me to grow me in ways that I had never grown before. Even to the point I felt guilty, honestly. It was like, God, did you, did you need to take my father? I may have shared this here before, but it's like, again, I needed to reprogram. It's like God didn't re- take him, he received him. Cancer took him, God received him. But it's like, did this need to happen for me to grow this way? And one day I felt like God clearly said, you know, I don't love your dad any less than I love you. I had his good in mind as well as yours. Healing still happened today. Divine healing still happened today. Do they happen as often as we want, as often as we pray for? No. But we need to see how God's goodness is being revealed in every circumstance of life. We need to see how he is reigning over all and how he is reigning over these hard times of life and how he is still good and how he is still healer, whether he is doing it the way that I expect him and want him and desire him to do or not. He's greater. But we do see physical healings. We have... In the prayer team, we have so many people. And I mean, if you have a need, please don't hesitate. Email prayer, prayer request at gfcshrewsbury.org or, uh, or you can call in at the request. But most of, I would say majority, we have, we have requests for a lot of things, but a majority at least are probably for physical healings. And there, there's intercession constantly for people's physical healings. And we see miracles. We see things that happen that honestly you can't explain other way than God intervened. God sometimes uses doctors and medicine Sometimes he works beyond that. But there's no doubt that we have seen miracles, that we have seen healing. He still heals today. We know that. Our challenge is when he's not healing when we ask or when we want or in the way at times that we are asking. So we've done some studying of of Scripture. These past couple weeks, I've just been able to meet with numerous people and leaders and teams. And... um, we wanted to look, this isn't exhaustive. I mean, there's so much more study that we can do. But as we looked at scriptures and we, and we thought of, the, again, the healings that Jesus performed, the healings that happened in the early church, um, when we look at the teachings on healings within scripture, there are three foundational things that, that we're just going to lay out as simply that, foundational beliefs. And it's these. First of all, the divine healing of our complete being, body, mind, soul, and spirit, is for today. We believe here at Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury that healing is for today of the entire person, of every part of our being. The second thing is that we are to pray for healing for ourselves and for others. This is scriptural, that we are to pray a prayer of faith. 
And this third is where, honestly, I, I believe that this is a truth that we can, we can miss, but yet we sang it. We said, God, you know, Jesus, you reign above it all. This is part of Jesus reigning above it all, is that we are to leave the healing with God, trusting, trusting him with the results. That's probably the hardest part of all of this. Because when life is hard, we can doubt that God is good. And we can doubt that God is healer. But we need to trust him, trust him with the results. There's a mystery in all this. Jesus talked about it in regards to salvation, that it's mystery. Yes, we can understand and we can't. That the way the Spirit moves, it goes beyond what we can understand. You know what, if I could explain everything about God, he would be a very small God. If I could understand everything about him, he would be equal or less than me. That's not who God is. There's mystery, and there's surrendering to what we do not know. Surrender is so foundational in the Christian life, is to trust him for who he is. The second part is that there's something greater than physical healing. There's something greater than physical healing. Our salvation is the foundational, and as we said, salvation is, is the atonement and healing. So healing is with that, but there's something that's greater than physical healing, and it is our eternal salvation. That Paul said that he describes this, what we go through as light and momentary troubles. Okay, that's ridiculous in my logic when I look at Paul's life. But he, what he went through, he said, these are light and momentary struggles compared to the glory that is to be revealed. Read it, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 to 18. That there's something greater than physical healing. Jesus, he healed the blind man, and then he's talking about sin. He said, if your, sin's, if your eye's gonna cause you to sin, pluck it out. Okay, he's the one that healed the eye. But yet he's saying what's more important is your eternal life. He, 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 healed, he healed the one who was crippled in his hand, and he said, but if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. What's more important? This is difficult because this impacts us. We see the suffering, we feel the pain. And Jesus says, there's something greater. It's me, and you're gonna be with me forever if you embrace what I've provided through my death and through my resurrection. I'm gonna share with you a testimony that beautifully um, talks about how God is working in and through this young man's life. He's a, a dear friend, and um, he's uh, now ministering right now over in the mini-odd. Uh, Zachary Vincent is gonna share with us uh, a little story about his life and uh, he's associate director here at Grace Kids. And uh, just uh, turn your eyes to the screen and hear what Zach has to share with us. Good morning, Grace family. Growing up with cerebral palsy hasn't always been easy. As I explain it to children, if you were to take a claw and hold it tightly, that are, is my muscles at all times. It affects the way I speak. It affects the way I walk. It affects the way I do everything. The problem is my mind is completely regular. In fact, it feels oftentimes that my mind is 5,000 steps ahead of my body. My mind is literally dragging my body along. I remember growing up asking why god why can't you heal this why can't you take this away in college i encountered people that 
almost made it their mission in life to see God heal me. I would have people lay hands on me constantly, praying for my healing. And yet, the healing never came. I began to question, why isn't God healing me? And then this thought came to me. Why do I desire healing? Is it for my comfort or His glory? I have to tell you that I still desire healing. I still would love to wake up one morning and play the piano the way I want to without hours of work. I would love to be able to run correctly, to walk correctly. But why do I desire healing? Is it for my comfort or His glory? I can tell you with uttermost confidence that I have been able to speak into more people's lives with my condition of cerebral palsy than without. I've been able to speak where someone who may not have visible challenges may have a more difficult time. God has used it for His glory. So whether it's tomorrow I wake up and I'm completely well, or if I wake up in heaven and I am completely made whole, I know that no matter what, my life has given glory to God. Amen. Amen. And that statement is not just a testimony of Zach. We can attest that Zach's life gives glory to God. Whether we see a healing or not, God is being glorified. God is being glorified. And that is our desire that in all things, that all things, in all things, whether in sickness or in health, in all things that God would be glorified. Paul's admonition, I had referenced um, one part earlier, but he said, do not lose heart. In fact, he says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. He is not making light of our physical struggles. He's not making light of illness or pain. But he's saying that my desire is that God's life would be more and more abundant in me regardless. In fact, not in spite of, but through the circumstances. And if healing comes, may it be to God's glory. And if the healing is not seen in this life, may it be to God's glory. was really drawn to this reality is that we are to look to the healer more than the healing. We are to seek him 
who is the healer, first and foremost. That we are submit to submit to Him and say, even as Jesus prayed in the garden, not my will, not what I want, but Father, Your will be done in my life. And for Jesus, that meant the cross. And God was with Him. God received that sacrifice and because of Jesus' obedience to the Father, setting aside his own comfort, setting aside his own, own pain and saying, not my will, but your will be done. Because of that, we have the door to eternal salvation and forever healing because of Jesus' obedience. Is a servant greater than his master? I don't know what God may be calling any one of us to. I don't know the path that may be ahead of us or the path that, that each one of us may be on right now. But God is desiring to reveal his glory in and through us in ways that go beyond what we can comprehend. And the challenge that I feel right now is that I feel sometimes, sometimes what I want is less than God's best. It's not intentionally wrong. I mean, it's natural for us to want what is comfortable. It's natural for us to want what is easier. It's natural for us to to not want to go through pain. But yet, will I submit it all to him and say, Jesus, you reign. You have your way. You just rule and reign over my life in whatever way that you desire. I trust you. I trust you. He is fully trustworthy. And we need to be so careful because we can say that, that according to this scripture, this is what everybody's supposed to be healed. I believe that in the atonement. I believe that God's desire is for everybody to be healed, but not necessarily in this life. I hope that does not sound cruel. Because God's ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts than our thoughts. And he has a way of using some of the hardest things in life to bring the greatest glory to himself and the most good to us. Both, his glory and our good. Is it easy? No. Is it possible? Yes, absolutely, through the power of the Holy Spirit that is within us. So we need to be careful in regards to healing because it is so easy for us to blame ourselves. So easy for us to blame somebody else or a lack of faith in ourselves or in others. There's so many things that we can do to blame. I don't believe that that glorifies God. I believe what God wants us to do is continually bring our needs to Him. I believe that He wants us to continually place our requests before Him. I, I know that He wants us to constantly stand on His Word and trust the results to Him. So what we're going to do is take some time and see what God is speaking to each one of us in regards to healing. I wanted to share this verse, Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21. To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So what is God speaking to you about healing right now? This moment in the service, we just, well, throughout the service, we just wanted, you know, God, have your way. Do what you want to do. But I want you to ask God right now. No, I'm sorry, let's back up. 
Let's declare, first and foremost, right now that God is healer. Let's declare that God is healer. And the healer is here. He was here before we got here. And he goes with us where we go. And the healer is at home, wherever a person is watching and hearing this message. The healer is with us. The healer is God. So how does the healer desire to speak to your life today? Does he want you to once again place your physical need before him and say, God, I ask you for healing. I surrender this to you. Stand, if you're, if you're a believer, stand in the reality that you will be healed forever. And stand in the reality that God will be your strength and your help and your support until that healing is realized. So is it to pray for healing for yourself? Is it to pray for healing for another? Seek the healer first. Seek the healer first. This morning I felt God leave something on my heart that how I need to pray. I'll just make this deposit because it may open a door for the Holy Spirit to speak something to you. I've been paralyzed a lot of times in my life. There are ways right now that I'm paralyzed. I have full physical movement at this moment, but I've been paralyzed because there are times that I will not move, I will not step for fear that I'm going to move and step in the wrong way. God wants to heal that paralysis within me that I would trust him. So for fear of doing the wrong thing, I can do nothing. God may show you blindness. You've been asking to see God and Jesus has been standing right in front of you. May he heal your eyes. God may be desiring to heal your ears that you would hear him say, I love you. I forgive you. You are redeemed. You are mine. Would your ears hear his word today? He may speak to your muteness to release your tongue to declare the glory of God, the praise of God when you struggle to speak. And he may call you. He may speak a word of healing over your physical body even right now, this morning, in this moment. He is healer. So we're going to just go to our healer. We're going to look to him, say, God, you are here. We are here. Do what you desire in my life. There are some healings that I believe are going to happen instantly. I don't know what they are. I don't know who is going to be touched that way. There are other healings that are going to begin. There's going to be a process. God's going to start a healing, I believe, in many lives today. It's going to be progressive, but no less real. So can we just look to our healer and allow him to speak to us? I just want to encourage you. When Jesus spoke to the man, he said, you're healed, take up your mat and walk. If Jesus speaks to you and he's calling you to stand, to kneel, to come forward, what he, if he calls and speaks a word to your heart, just respond to him. You're in a place of people that love you. If you're at home, respond to what Jesus is saying to you and allow the healer to touch your life right now. You are the healer.
you are present now and you're with us always. We lift you up and we thank you first and foremost, God, that you dealt with a death issue in our lives. Sin had kept us separated from you and you took the payment for our sin so that we could be yours forever. We thank you, Lord, that part of your work on that cross was the healing of our bodies. And Lord, we receive the truth that you do speak healing into our physical bodies even now. And we rejoice in eternal healing where we will never be sick. We, were, we will never suffer in your presence. So God, we pray that you would just help us to continue to seek you, to set our eyes first and foremost on you, to seek your glory, the desire to lift you above all things in our lives, to present our present circumstances, our present lives before you and say, Jesus, have your way in and through our lives. God, be glorified. As Paul said, whether by life or by death, be glorified. Be glorified in and through us. Have your way, we pray. And God, we thank you for your constant and abiding love, that you are with us always, that you love us deeply, that your love goes beyond, Lord, what we can even imagine or comprehend. Thank you that you are love. God, help us to walk out of this place, embracing you more closely, standing more confidently, Lord, in who you are and who we are in you and who you are in our lives and the way that you are desiring to reveal yourself in and through us. Be glorified, God. Be glorified. Be glorified. We're going to dismiss, but we're going to do, sometimes we do this as a soft dismissal. For those that would like to leave, we just ask that you would leave quietly. If you'd like to have conversation, we ask that you would go out into the lobby areas and we're just going to, for those that desire, just continue to settle and set in his presence for a little while longer. And this week, as you go out, we're encouraging you to worship God. Worship God, our healer, and thank him for the eternal healing that is ours. I want to encourage you to be praying for healing for yourself and for others. Surrender all to God's healing process. I want to encourage you to start, continue to go through the Gospel of John, chapter 5. But I also want to invite you... We have midweek prayer gatherings every Wednesday here at seven o'clock, and this week we'll be focusing on healing. So you're always invited, but especially for this Wednesday as we focus on healing. Go in the grace of God. Walk in the power of his love. Know that he is with you always, and in him and through him, we are more than conquerors to his glory. Again, for those that uh, need to leave, you're, you're dismissed. For those who would like to linger, you're more than welcome to stay. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.